0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Minneapolis Insider Podcast, produced by Meet Minneapolis and sponsored by U.S. Bank. We take you behind the scenes of events, happenings, and all things Minneapolis. I'm Kristen Montag from Meet Minneapolis, and for this episode, we get an insider's perspective on the Minnesota Orchestra's upcoming tour and programming right here in Orchestra Hall in Minneapolis. Before our introducing our guests, we have a special guest host for this episode. Heather Brown, who reports on WCCO News at Ten and co-hosts WCCO Mid Morning, is joining us today from across the street. Having reported on everything from public schools to natural disasters to presidential conventions, Heather is putting her curiosity to work with the much-loved WCCO Good Question segment and now this podcast. Heather, it's great to see you, and welcome to the Minneapolis Insider.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me here today. I love this building. As you mentioned, we are the neighbors just across the street, and the beautiful revamp. Um, it's just been so special to, to to walk through and to see shows. Uh, my kids have come to the Young People's Concerts here. We were recently here, my husband and I, for the Indigo Girls collaboration mm-hmm. with the Minnesota Orchestra. So it's just a special place for us, and I'm excited to be part of this podcast. Well,
0: thank you. And um, why don't you do the honors of introducing today's guests?
1: That'd be great. Uh, first guest today is Beth Keller-Long. She's the vice president of orchestra administration for the Minnesota Orchestra, where she has had several positions since 19- 1991. Beth oversaw the orchestra's historic tour to Cuba. It was back in 2015 as well as seven European tours and a tour in South Africa in 2018. We also have Gareth Sengut, who's a violist with the Minnesota Orchestra. He's been here since 2014. Uh, Coming all the way here from warm, sunny San Diego with the San Diego Symphony. He is a Pennsylvania native, just like myself. We're Kins, Kin brothers. Uh, He holds bachelor's and master's degrees from the Juilliard School. He's also a member of the Musical Offering and Minnesota Bach Ensemble. Also plays in many festivals. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us to talk to this day. I'm really excited to get a lot of this behind-the-scenes information about this 100-year-old Minnesota Orchestra. And Let's start with just a
0: little background. The orchestra announced last fall they'll tour <coughs> South Korea and Vietnam starting on June, June 21st, 2020 for nearly two weeks, continuing a legacy of musical diplomacy and mounting one of the signature events of Osmo Vanska, Vanska's final three years as the orchestra's musical director. Some of you may know that Vanska was recently appointed as music director for the Seoul Philharmonic Orchestra, and he served here as a director since 2003.
1: This is a really uh, special thing to talk about, Ozma Vanska has really sort of pushed the orchestra and this whole idea of, of cultural exchange over uh, several trips that you've taken over the past couple years. But this is special, being director of the Seoul Philharmonic Orchestra and then taking you all in to uh, South Korea and to Vietnam. Can Beth, can, let's start and just tell us a little bit about what those tours are going to be like.
2: Yeah, well, so the Vietnam portion of the tour came as actually an invitation from the U.S. Embassy in Vietnam. So uh, we're celebrating 25 years of restored diplomatic relations between the U.S. and Vietnam, and so there's a big celebration. Mm -hmm. And they really wanted the orchestra to be a part of that celebration. I think we've got this reputation now after Cuba and South Africa of kind of being the U.S. orchestra kind of on the forefront of, of musical diplomacy and um so they invited us and then it made a lot of sense when we're in kind of that area of the world to tie it to uh performance in seoul where osmo's the new music director mm-hmm. so it came it came together really wonderfully
1: tell us a little bit of some of the places you'll be visiting obviously seoul i know ho chi minh city uh what kind of performances will you be doing and can we here at home follow along
2: yeah so will the first perform so we'll be in seoul first and then next we'll be at the Hanoi Opera House, mm-hmm. and that is a concert that is, is very closely tied to the 25th anniversary, and so lots of diplomats will be there. Um, and then the next night we'll do a concert at the Vietnam National Academy of Music, um, it, which is also in Hanoi. Then we'll be in Hue, which is kind of in the center of the country and is this beautiful little city on the river, um, the Perfume River and they're building a new hall and will be the first orchestra to, to play in the hall there in Huey, and then the tour ends in Ho Chi Minh City, as you mm-hmm. said, um, at the Opera House there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And Gareth, uh, you're going on these tours here. Uh, tell us a little bit, I mean, how excited are you about this to have this sort of experience? Oh,
3: incredibly excited. <laughs> um, you know, not long after I first joined the orchestra, that was when it was announced that we were going to Cuba. And then to follow that up with South Africa, to get to go to these places that there is not, there's not a lot of uh, this kind of thing happening between our countries. And to be one of the only, if one of the first, if not the only orchestras to go to these places and uh, to get to see these incredible cultures, it's really amazing.
1: What kind of reception do you get from the audiences there?
3: Um, it's kind of indescri- indescribable sometimes um, when we went to Cape Town um, after this really long trip. We were in London right before going there and we got there and uh, the the concert was great. And then the last thing we played was Shoshalosa, which was uh, an important song for South Africans that were in the mines. And... I remember as soon as we played that, the, as soon as we started playing that, the, the reception from the audience was something I won't forget.
1: Mm-hmm. And you have to imagine, I mean, Gareth was just talking about what happened in South Africa, Beth, but also what happened in Cuba there too. How have those experiences sort of influenced how this next tour in a South Korea and Vietnam will be run and, and what you'll be doing there? So I think previously sort of the standard
2: way of, of orchestra touring is to go and play in a city and then the next day you go play in a different city and you just keep moving and you don't really have much connection uh, with with people who live there and Cuba was a big change for us um, because when we were in Cuba we worked with students both high school and college age students we did a side-by-side rehearsal with a youth orchestra there we did all kinds of things that were connecting our players and their musicians and in fact at the side-by-side rehearsal we were getting you know it's almost time for rehearsal to start and our percussionists and their percussionists were back there jamming so loudly that it was like we could hardly get the rehearsal Mm -hmm. to start and our players were learning from them and I think that's what has become an important part of these tours is we're learning, like everybody's learning. Mm-hmm. Like we're learning about the South African traditions, the, we we sang, um, or the Hau Teng Choristers, a, a choir based in Johannesburg, sang with us there, we learned from them. We just had the Hau Teng Choristers come here in November, again, continuing this learning cultural exchange process. So in Vietnam, I expect that it will be the same sort of thing. We'll be doing a side-by-side rehearsal with the Vietnam National Academy of Music orchestra. We'll play some Beethoven, which is kind of our wheelhouse, you know, and then we'll play some Vietnamese music and that'll be their wheelhouse. And again, we'll be learning from each other. And that's what, what really builds the bonds on these tours.
1: Gareth, can you expand on that a little bit? What Beth was talking about is the musicians from here in Minnesota are really learning from people halfway across the world.
3: Yeah. Um, one, one memory in particular stands out from Cuba is that we went and we did a side-by-side with a youth orchestra down there. And the first piece we played was Tchaikovsky's Romeo and Juliet. And as Beth said, that is in our wheelhouse. We know that like the back of our hands. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that situation, they were definitely learning from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second piece on the side-by-side was a piece that had been written, I believe, by their conductor, by the Youth Orchestra's director. And it involved a lot of uh, rhythms that were mm-hmm. typical to Cuban dances. And, um, and we were supposed to rid these rhythms on the music and transfer them to just playing them on the backs of our instruments. And like well-trained classical musicians, we saw these, these rhythms and were really trying to count them. And we've got these 15 year old, 13 year old students sitting next to us kind of chuckling because what are they doing? And it's just this easy thing that came so naturally to them. It was just second nature. And to see how much a part of that, that is in their culture, was eye-opening. And I can't say I'm an expert on Cuban rhythms yet, but, uh, it, it got me, it gave me an idea.
1: So you're a, trust, a classically trained violist. Uh, imagine that had you a little bit outside of your comfort zone, doing something like that. Is that good for musicians to sort of push themselves in that way?
3: Absolutely. Um, I think the more the more you hear of all kinds of different music, uh, it, it will have an impact on how you on how you play, even even in a more traditional setting, um, just different ways of feeling music, uh, different right. ways of feeling music. Uh, just the, I'm not putting putting this well, but the more you, the more experiences you get from mm-hmm. other influences, the better.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Does the do the trips in these tours help you almost? Bond as a group as well when with this travel. Yeah, <laughs> are we bunking There's... up together? How is this working? <laughs> oh
3: well, yes, and that's also that's an amazing thing about our orchestra is that uh, you know it's a normal thing that a group of people will kind of go into their circles and and do their own thing, um, but this orchestra really really enjoys spending time with one another and when you're in a foreign country or uh in just a different town when you're away from home and you're not all just going back to home
1: so you're telling me in time. this orchestra the violinists will hang out with the cellist everything's fine
3: <laughs> Everything is fine you know depending on the instrument you might hold your nose a little but not really <laughs>
1: These tours sound incredible, Beth. Um, But this is not new to the Minnesota Orchestra here. You also tour across Minnesota as well. Give us an idea of the schedule of the Minnesota Orchestra because uh, I saw it today and it is several inches thick when you print it out there. (laughs) So,
2: well, you mentioned about touring across Minnesota Mm -hmm. and that's something that's been really important to this orchestra since we were founded. Um, we have a long touring tradition and that started with touring in Minnesota and coming up, we'll be doing a common chords week in Austin, Minnesota later this spring and common chords is a program where, um, we kind of the orchestra is sort of embedded in a community and there's a, a long planning horizon for that where our staff are working with a planning group from that community that is kind of envisioning like what will be special for this community, like what what makes Austin unique and what will be really impactful for the orchestra to do while they're there. So we'll start that week with um, several ensembles that'll come to Austin and probably do pop-up concerts like at a brew pub and the library and the hospital and I, I don't even know what all the details will be and then the full orchestra will come and as Gareth said they're staying in the in that town and so running into people they saw at the brew pub the next morning at the coffee shop and and so it's really a fun fun week so those are really fun parts of our schedule um when we're touring around minnesota so that you were asking about the schedule mm-hmm. um what else do we have coming up is that what you're oh my goodness to? so
1: much stuff <laughs> i was just you know paging through it and of everything all the ranges children um mindfulness yoga all the way right. to visiting outstate minnesota it's really incredible
2: there, there's a lot in the schedule. You are correct. And the mindfulness thing is something that's kind of neat. That's something we're just starting this winter, um, just looking at music and mindfulness and how they pair. And we're doing um, a series that actually is inviting people to come and sit on the stage, on the floor of the stage and be led through mindfulness activities with music. So we're really curious to see how that You're also doing yoga on the stage. is that So the yoga is actually out in the lobby Mm -hmm. and that's with with live music as well. And it's really, it's wonderful how, so I went to the first one that we did and it was with our harpist. And so she had worked with the teacher ahead of time um, to kind of talk about tempos and like where it's getting more intense and where it's coming back. And it was just this most, um, I don't know, there was such synergy and it just felt so
1: natural to,
2: to have that as part of it. So it's really, it's fun.
1: And Gareth, I can't imagine that every day is the same around here, given the schedule here. You probably don't have a typical day. Um, but you are living the dream, I think, of what a lot of people wish that they could do, to be a musician, to live out your passions. Um, is it all it's cracked up to be? Because you seem very, very busy.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, it is. It's very busy, but um, I don't, I, I don't know any musicians that go into the field for the relaxed schedule. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it definitely keeps us on our toes. What does a typical week
1: look like for you?
3: A typical week? Um, there almost isn't a typical typical right. week. Um, so, for example, this past week, uh, we did two programs that are about as different as they could be. We did a program that... Uh, well, it was called the Composers Institute. The new name is... No,
2: the concert name was called Music Makers. Music but it's Makers. part of the Composer Institute. Okay. Yeah.
3: And uh, it's every year seven seven different composers, young up-and-coming composers um, that haven't necessarily written a ton for orchestra. Um, they, a bunch of... Uh, seven composers are selected to have pieces played by the orchestra. And we dedicate an entire week of rehearsal to that. And it's extremely intense because it's writing from all across the spectrum. There's there's no traditional style anymore when it comes to writing new music. So it's something, you see a little bit of everything. And then, so we rehearse all week for that. And the preparation for those rehearsals is intense because like I said, you see a lot of things that you may have never seen before. Um, in terms of techniques, in terms of how they want to use different instruments. Um, So that takes a lot. And then we followed it up by Saturday and Sunday, playing shows with Ben Folds, which is obviously very different. Things that I'm more familiar with seeing.
1: (laughs) I'm also interested in that. So uh, you've played with Cloud Cult here, Ben Mm -hmm. Folds, Dessa. How long does it take you to learn their music?
3: To learn... Their music, well, to be honest, that that's where I think what you asked about the benefit of different outside influences mm-hmm. helps, because typically the orchestra parts in those in those songs, nobody's coming to hear us do the most technically difficult <laughs> thing we can. That, mm-hmm. That's not what they're in the audience for. Um, so instead. The the arrangements that that the arrangers make, um, they're more about the mood of the song, and so they're not necessarily the most technically demanding things. But that's where it is important to know the style. Where that rhythm I had to figure out in Cuba, it may not have been the most technically thing, technically difficult thing, but I didn't know the style until they told me. So having these outside influences and experiences with different music are really important for that.
1: You say that they're not coming to see you, that they're coming to see the the stars, quote-unquote. But I tell you, the experience when we came to see the Indigo Girls, the experience of having them play with the orchestra was magical. I mean, it just... It was, uh, and there were times where I almost wanted to cry. It was so overwhelming because I'd never really heard such beautiful harmonies like that. And their that the, that duo is already very good, good at that. But then adding just the magnificence of the orchestra behind them uh, was was really was really incredible. Do you have a favorite show that you've played in since you came here in 2014?
3: Oh my gosh. I know. Um, People
1: ask me this all the time. What's your favorite story? And that's my answer. Oh my gosh. So many.
3: <laughs> Boy. Yeah, there are, there are a lot. Um, I mean, for me, I, I would tend towards, um, some of the, our more traditional music. I mean, they, a, a lot of the pops artists that come in, they, it really is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a different but, crowd. Yeah. Those oh, definitely a different crowd. Well. That, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, Actually, that that's a big part of it is, is both audiences the enthusiasm mm-hmm. that we see for for our more traditional rep as well as the pops. Um, that that's a big part of what makes it fun to be out. So you on like stage. the
1: traditional stuff. Do you have mm-hmm. a favorite piece of music?
3: A favorite piece of music? Mm-hmm. I I really don't. Uh, I've been asked this before. Mm-hmm. I think that if I if I were forced to choose a <laughs> composer. Um, I'm not going to narrow, narrow, narrow it down to a piece, but um, I usually come back to Beethoven, mm. um, which is fortunate because uh, we play a lot of Beethoven. Mm. Uh, we did an entire <laughs> two weeks of all of his symphonies and piano concertos a couple years ago, um, which is that was an intense couple mm. weeks, but it was it was a lot of fun.
1: Beth, can we go back to the tours for a little bit? Because I want to understand, once you bring these tours back home, how then are those experiences shared with the people back here in Minnesota?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So one thing was um, the thing I mentioned earlier about working with the Hauteng Choristers in South Africa, and then it was so exciting to be able to bring them here for the concerts in November. And when we um, performed with them in South Africa, the first concert that we performed with them, it was the Beethoven Ninth, and the Minnesota Chorale had come from Minnesota and combined with the Hauteng Choristers. And at the end of the concert, you know, the applause had finished, and all of a sudden we hear the singing... And the Houtang choristers were doing this exit song. We had no idea it was coming. And doing this whole sort of moving backward and forward and singing this song as they left. And so when we were planning for their time here in November, we said, you have to do that exit song. Like, we have to, our audiences have to see that. And they taught it to the chorale for the concerts here in November. And they did it all the way out through the hall, into the lobby. Wow, and then we're out there singing Um for for people out in the lobby afterwards so that was a really really fun way to bring something of
1: what we'd experienced in South Africa here so we had those South African musicians on our show one morning and I will tell you at first they're silent and then they start up and they knock your socks off all of us in the studio were just amazed at the sounds, the incredible sounds well, that were coming the out. The volume. There. Yes, mm-hmm. i was with not that many people. Right,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. The basses, when we I went to some of their rehearsals in South Africa, and I was sitting near the basses, and it, I mean, you almost get knocked out of your chair mm-hmm. because it's so resonant and so full, and I don't know how they produce that much sound. I really don't. It's something special. When
3: you talk about uh, what we bring back from these tours, it's a sense of what music is to these cultures. Mm-hmm. All around the world, um, and how different it it can be from here. Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone uh, defines it differently. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before we go, Beth, let's just make sure we let people know about a new opportunity that you have here at Orchestra Hall. It's called the Hall Pass. Yes,
2: yeah, so this is something that our musicians uh, are we're feeling really passionate about, and so actually, I am going to let Gareth talk about it because it's really a musician initiative.
3: So it's a it's a new program where. Uh, the musicians as a group donated uh, funds to to allow any any person to, they don't have to be minnesotan necessarily right. any anybody 18 or under to come to concerts here for free mm. specifically our classical subscription programs family, um, concerts. family concerts okay and sam it,
2: and sarah concerts yes. yeah
3: and uh, we just felt it was really important that any child it's an opportunity to experience this and and see what possibilities are out there and this
1: is made possible by donation
3: yes uh the the orchestra musicians we we donate to our own Right, i shouldn't say we contribute mm-hmm. um every paycheck into into our own funds and we decided to make a donation. To support this, to fund this.
1: Wow, so it really is very important to the positions. Yeah, yeah,
3: and it's important for, I think it's important for our society to that that young people have access to this sort of thing, and it's also important to our, our future um, that that we impart what we do.
0: How, how do students take advantage of that
2: opportunity then? Uh, They can go online on on our website and and do that. They can talk to a ticket representative on the phone or at the box office here. Um, So I think it's pretty easy to to, um, take advantage of it.
1: Terrific. This is fabulous. Thank you all both uh, so much for all this great information. Uh, we really appreciate it. Listeners appreciate hearing some of the behind the scenes stuff, some of the insider tips and insider knowledge, and just a day in the life of, of what it's like for you here at Orchestra Hall. Thank you.
3: Thanks so much for having thank us. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Um, thank you both
0: for those great details and and you know giving a little insights. we like to talk about the many aspects of Minneapolis in this program, so we really appreciate hearing more about that. And then also, um, just so people know, you can get tickets and more information at minnesotaorchestra.org. Also, I want to thank Heather for being our guest host, and she did a wonderful job this episode of Minneapolis Insider Podcast. You can catch her at 9 a.m. at WCCO Midmorning or the News at 10 answering your good questions. Don't forget, you can also get more insider information on what to do and see in Minneapolis by finding Meet Minneapolis on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook or online at minneapolis.org. Finally, we welcome you to subscribe to the Minneapolis Insider Podcast, sponsored by U.S. Bank on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time.